Good morning. I want to talk about something that is really on my heart this morning. And it is Matthew twelve forty three through 45. An unclean spirit's return. I want to read it. When an unclean spirit comes out of a man, it roams through waterless places looking for rest, but doesn't find any. Then it says, I'll go back to my house that I came from. And when it arrives, it finds the house vacant, swept, and put in order. Then off it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and settle down there. As a result, that man's last condition is worse than the first. That's how it will also be with this evil generation. I was reminded of a testimony I heard of a man that went into a restaurant and he was witnessing to the waitress and it made her mad. She was mad. She was so mad she went and got her manager and she said, you just wait till you meet him. And so then the manager comes out and he is mad that this man is talking about Christ in his restaurant. He is mad. So through a long conversation and a miraculous healing from the Lord, the man finally admits the the manager of the restaurant that he used to be a youth pastor and the pastor fell and he was implicated with it and he was kicked out and it was all over and he was just angry and bitter about it and i marvel i i heard that story and i'm marveling how can you be a youth pastor and through the course of time and events you now hate the word of God and you hate anyone speaking it in your presence. How? I don't understand. So I'm, I'm reading this about the unclean spirit and I'm, I'm reading a couple of the commentaries as well, the older commentaries. Um, and this is, this is what I've come up with. The house, which is the soul, being swept clean, which would be reformed, but not converted. You've had a reformation but you've not actually given your heart to Christ. It's left alone to the routine of common life and conventional morality. This is from the commentary. Doesn't it sound like it? Because conventional morality today is way different than the morality of whoever wrote this commentary. (laughs) It's way different today. And that's a scary notion. But the house being swept clean is left to the routine of common life and conventional morality which at the time would have been get married, don't sleep around, don't have children out of wedlock, don't be drunk all the time. That would have been the conventional morality of the day with no higher spiritual influence to protect and guard him. So he's made a New Year's resolution to not sin anymore, but and so he has swept his house clean, uh, but that doesn't work for demons. It works for humans, but it doesn't work for demons. And then it goes on. The spirit finds Christ is not there to shut him out. Christ isn't in there. You've had a reformation, um, but Christ isn't in there. Your heart was not converted. You did not fully give your life to the Lord, repenting of your sins and letting Jesus drive. You've not done that um, if if you're who we're talking about here. The, and, and then the commentary said this. This reminded me of the testimony. And the man becomes a more decided enemy of the truth. And I thought, how sad is that? How utterly sad is that? 
that you can come to Jesus. You can decide you want what he offers, but not, but you don't give him your heart, but you try your best, but you don't give him your heart. He's not there to shut the enemy out. He thought he found Christ, but he only found religion. This is me talking now. He only found religion, reformation, resolutions, and determination. And none of these things will keep demons out. They'll keep humans out. You can do a lot with humans in your resolutions and your determination, but you can't keep demons out. All they need is one sin. That's all they need to come in. That's it. One sin is an invite. It's an open door. It is a. It gives legal right to a demon to come in. And they will eventually, they will always invite the rest of their family to come in. You know, the it might start with one hurt that goes directly to anger that moves into bitterness. And then eventually it will move into murder. Uh, whether you murder someone in your heart or actually do it, you know, uh, the the demons, they will always invite the rest of the family in to stay. None of those things will keep demons out. All they need to enter is sin, and we all sin. And we all sin. And I feel so, I feel so sad for people that think they found Jesus, and they didn't. They just found resolutions and determination. Maybe they found a church community that they really love, and they think that's Jesus, and they're still miserable miserable because the demons are still there. You didn't get rid of them. You just made a determination to do better in your life. It's not going to work. This You're dealing with another kingdom. And I say you, I'm not really talking to you, just amusing. You're dealing with a completely different kind of kingdom and one that you can't see. You can certainly feel the effects of it, can't you? You can feel the effects when a demon is messing with you, a fear um, I want, I struggle with that one a lot, um, and I fight it. I fight it now, and uh, the Lord will eventually teach me how to kick that thing out once and for all, or it's going to end up being the thing that Paul talked about, the thing that he begged the Lord to get rid of, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. Fear might be one of those things where the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. You're just going to have to live with that one. I don't know where we're going with that, but I'm going to fight it until something else happens. You're miserable. You're absolutely miserable because you think you've reformed your heart, but you did not give your life to Christ, which requires on your knees humility. I give up. I give up. I let go. Come into my heart. Forgive my sins. You drive, Jesus. You drive. And he completely will change your life from the inside out. I would say if you haven't had a complete change, (laughs) then I would look over this whole thing again. Look over it again. If you haven't had change in your life, If fruit is not showing up in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, this is the fruit that shows that Jesus lives there. Um, When you start, when I started, I didn't have many of these fruits, but over time and spending time with the Lord and praying and worshiping, 
the fruits start to show up. He starts pointing out things in your life. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that I had that sin there. I repent. Please forgive me. Move me out of this, Lord. Teach me love. Teach me joy. Teach me patience. And you will end up looking more like Jesus. You will. Unless he's not there. And I want you to consider, what if he's not there? If your life is still miserable and you are still dealing with so many demons, I want you to consider, is Jesus there? And if you think he's not, you go back in and you hit your knees and you humbly repent, humbly with tears. There needs to be tears for sin. There need to be tears. There have been times when I knew I needed to repent for something, but I really wasn't that sorry. That is not repentance. It's not. It's like going to your parent and saying, I'm sorry. I didn't clean my room. I'm sorry. That's pretty much it. I'm sorry for how I made, I'm sorry that you feel bad about what I did. I'm sorry that you're having an issue. This is not repentance and forgiveness. Repentance And if you ask for it, if you ask the Lord, give me repentance, true repentance about this thing in my life, and you stay in prayer and you stay in worship, you will end up in tears because he will give you repentance. He wants this. He wants this because that is how you start kicking demons out of your soul. Get them out. Get them out of your life. Get them out of your soul. It takes repentance, renouncing, casting out. This is some deep, serious stuff. We don't play. We're not playing here. Play keeps you in misery. We're not playing. This is a soul. Satan is fighting for your soul, and Jesus is fighting back. He fought. He already did the good fight, and he died on the cross. All we ha- all he says is this is what he asks us. All I need you to do is, is give me your life. Give me your life. I gave you your life anyway. Give it back to me. And you'll be amazed at what I'll do with your life. You will be that you will be the person you've always wanted to be if you will follow me and follow my ways. Love me. Let me love you. Obey what I say. All of these things are in there for the betterment of you. So just just try me. <laughs> just try me. So I am begging you today, if you are still walking in misery, there is stuff you either haven't really given your life to Christ or there's still sin that you're hanging on to. It's still there. If you're still being, if you're still miserable and being tortured by a demon, there is still a legal right in there somewhere. It could be generational sin. It could be a soul tie to somebody. It could be a blood covenant tie to somebody, uh, which would be sex out of marriage. Um, sex is a blood covenant. Um, Blood, blood is exchanged there. Interestingly enough, let me teach you this. A blood covenant is an exchange. Um, I give you what's mine and you give me what's yours. And that's how it is with marriage. What's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. So Jesus died on the cross and blood was shed. It is a blood covenant on his part. So when we enter into this covenant with Jesus, we exchange, we give him our sin and he exchanges that for his righteousness. That 
that is the exchange that happens. Outside of Christ, when you go into blood covenant with somebody or something else, and you can do both, you are still exchanging. If you have sex with another person who is not your spouse, anything on you transfers to them and anything on them transfers to you. And that includes demons. They might have a demon of anger or rage or lust that they're dealing with, and it wasn't yours. But when you have sex, you know, you have now entered into a blood covenant with this person and their demons now have access to you and life just got worse. You might've been dealing with some demons. Now you're dealing with more. How do you break a blood covenant? True repentance, true humility before the Lord asking for forgiveness. I, I cut the blood covenant in Jesus name. I cancel this blood covenant in Jesus name. After you've done those things, I cancel it. I cut it with the sword of the spirit. I can, I declare this null and void. I don't know if these are the exact right words, but throw it out there. The Lord knows what you're talking about. He knows what you're trying to do. You got to, you've got to turn these things off. It's like a faucet. (laughs) You got to turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. We're dealing with a whole other kingdom here and the churches have really not done a great job at explaining that we're dealing with a different kind of, uh, a different kind of justice system in this other kingdom. We sin, they get access to us. It's biblical. It's in the Bible. I mean, it's, I just read, I just read it right there. I think people think because Jesus didn't specifically say it's a demon. No, he totally did. Wait, when an unclean spirit, that is a demon. He totally did. So, I mean, it's right there in the Bible. These are demons. I feel like I'm just repeating myself now. If you're having issues with this, please go to the Lord. Please go ask him for the gift of repentance, uh, humility, get on your knees, cry before him, ask for forgiveness, close those doors turn off those faucets and kick that thing out of your life. If you don't have Christ in your house, do that first. You have got to have Christ in your house. So when these things come back, um, they, there's, they can't come back in. They can't come back in, kick it out. It can't come back in unless you invite it with another sin, but we're not going to do that. Are we? We're not going to do that. We're going to pursue the Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we're going to pursue. Lord, I pray for anybody listening to this right now. I pray for them. I pray that, that what I have said is either a seed planted or a seed watered or a seed growing. That they would understand, they would have the maturity to understand um, what this is. Uh, and give them the wisdom of, of what is happening here. And give them the gift of repentance that they may cry before you, cry out for forgiveness. And you will forgive because you died on the cross to forgive. You would love to forgive. It's your favorite thing to do is forgive. And and then they can cast that thing out. Thank you, Jesus, for what you are about to do. Amen.